0: easy-to-engage, on-demand content. Learn more at kathleenmerkel.com slash innerprofessional. So, are you ready for Well, welcome once again to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Legendary Leaders podcast. I am very happy to have you all here today and to take all of you out today into nature. Together with my guest today, Fiona Parashar, she's the founder and CEO of Leadership Coaching, which is a B Corp certified organization committed to its mission to increase positive leadership in the workplace and to prioritize well-being for people and the planet. And Fiona and I are indeed going to talk about her way of working with C-suite level leaders in particular and the need to take them out of their busy office or home office lives into nature where they walk, where they reflect, where they journal, where they do all the things that help us to step back and to be. And various goals accompany those conversations. People might have lost their mojo and they wanna get this mojo back. They wanna build new energy and purpose for their entire lives and in their entire lives really. We are also going to be talking about the value of well-being, but also the definition of well-being. What does that really mean? And why is it such an important topic within leadership nowadays? You might remember the last episode where this topic came up as well. So there is a real theme in leadership well-being of course, we've got to talk about the role of nature. And for all of you who might be hikers, people who love to go on long walks, where you actually can switch off and slow down as well after a busy day, you might already know a lot of those benefits when you are in nature. And I always think when my husband and I go for walks, we often come up with the best reflections, ideas, thoughts, we become excited about next steps, whatever those next steps refer to, right? Personal lives as well as professional lives. And there is a way of creativity that I don't experience in any other space. But most importantly, we walk and talk next to one another, not looking into each other's eyes, but simply focusing on the movements, on the conversation, actively listening to one another and being able to explore. And that is the power. It feels safe. It feels open, right? And it does something very powerfully with us. So before you go on your next walk or hike, never think about what do you, what would you like to get out of it, right? What would you like to focus on? What would you like to talk about? And let those conversations flow and watch and observe what's happening there. Well, let me tell you a little bit more about Fiona first. Fiona is the founder and CEO of Leadership Coaching, which is a B Corp certified organization committed to its mission to increase positive leadership in the workplace and to prioritize well-being for people and the planet. She started her career actually in advertising, working amongst others for Wetwood Publishing and got then promoted to the board of Universal McCann, ending up as one of the joint MDs. But after having her second child, Fiona craved better work-life balance. Ooh, I know it too well. So in 2000, she set up leadership coaching, combining her love of people and psychology with her business skills and experience. And then three years later, she published The Balancing Act. Just this year, however, Fiona has written and published her second book, A Beautiful Way to Coach, that's all about the positive Vision Day work she does. Fiona enjoys working with some brilliant coaching partners who are all aligned on values and her vision, and together they have won an award for excellence in business psychology coaching and worked with leaders from right across the communications industry. She loves paying it forward with mentoring, coaching, or supporting emerging female talent. And she is truly passionate and such a purpose-led leader, and you will certainly hear that in her voice and all the stories and experiences she's going to share with you here today. So let's pop over to the other room and have a listen. Well, hello and welcome. Today I have another exciting guest lined up for you. Fiona Parashar is her name. Hello, Fiona. Hi Kathleen,
1: thank you so much for having me, it's lovely to see you and be here.
0: It's lovely to see you too, very shiny, lady in red here today, I hope you had a lovely summer.
1: (laughs) Yes, great summer, coming to a close now, it's uh, still very hot here, but um, yes, last little hurrah tomorrow, heading out to the airport for another three dayer. And then that's it. <laughs> Knock it down.
0: <laughs> three day in Provence. Let's let's say yes. it right. Yes, three day in Provence. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful, um, amazing. How how often do you give yourself actually time to have a break to recharge? How do you build that into your day to day life? Well, it's interesting you say
1: that because I am going to be doing a complete overhaul of my strategy. <laughs> as I come to the end of this summer, because I used, I think COVID has thrown everything out. So there's, this year has been a lot of catching up with things that were canceled and rescheduled. And it's meant that there's been a lot of sort of back-to-back shorter breaks. And I've found that because travel is just that little bit more challenging at the moment, then it hasn't been as restorative as uh, usual. Mm-hmm. So I think that my strategy is is usually regular breaks, but it's I'm, I'm hoping going into next year I'm going to do less breaks but but for longer. Yeah. When that when my children were growing up, I always used to take all of August off. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed that a lot of coaches do take all of August off. And I, I noticed I had all these pangs of envy this year because I didn't. But. Um, yeah, I think it's a good practice, actually, a nice yeah. a nice
0: wad of time to restore. Yeah, I remember, uh, I'm one of those coaches who takes all of August off, <laughs> yes. um, apart from well today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so dear audience, we are talking still in August. Um, the last day off. <laughs> the last day, yeah. However, I also remember when I worked in corporate, I had this habit of taking three weeks off. It didn't have to be in the summer. I loved uh, doing it actually in the winter and then going to indonesia or or whatnot and i just returned as a completely different person and that sounds quite extreme but it gives you this time to disconnect because i I need a few days and i hear that from quite a few people just to actually move into the flow of disconnecting from the day-to-day life and then having a few weeks left to properly recharge and just as i said go with the flow was a game changer
1: Yes. And I can
0: definitely recommend it and make sure you have some great people around you you can delegate to, you trust and then be bold and switch off your phone and just go for it.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I I totally agree. And I noticed that a lot of companies now are moving towards sabbaticals as well and i always you know really encourage my clients to sort of press the button on that because they can often even though they've got it offered uh, find it hard to 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 make it happen yeah. sort of a mix of fomo and you know feeling they they can't do it but they can and the time flies by and you know you're all but you're back in the hot seat before you know it
0: absolutely <laughs> Actually, and that moves us slowly, but surely to the work you are doing on a day-to-day basis. I spoke to a female leader yesterday, and she has experienced a lot of pressure on sales targets and so on, and went into her family holiday and literally wasn't able to switch off, couldn't sleep, woke up early, was constantly uh, mentally distracted, and came back really, really stressed. Mm. However, faced a courageous conversation with her boss to say, I know it's partially my fault because I wasn't able to switch off. I didn't set boundaries, but I now need to set boundaries. We need to talk. Mm -hmm. And the outcome of that conversation was that a lot of support was offered. Open conversations were being had. Goals and targets were being reviewed. But she said it, it took so much Anxiety, stress, and bravery at the same time to have this conversation or the period that led up to this conversation, it felt tough. And afterwards it felt even still tough. There wasn't this immediate relief. And I was yeah. wondering: is that something you know that becomes a pattern that perhaps business leaders don't even see that their people or don't want to hear that their people? just have too much on that there isn't enough of a support that the pressure is too high while people maybe not being talking up about it and and being honest about it and it just builds up and builds up and builds up so long story short mm-hmm. this is something i'm pretty sure you came across in your day-to-day work and therefore yes. it's it's a kind of twofold question the first one is what is it you do in your day-to-day work and what are your observations there Mm -hmm. when it comes to the leaders you work with?
1: Yeah, well, I think you raise such uh, important points there, especially of what's going on at the moment. But the central theme in that, I think, is boundaries and helping people learn to set healthy boundaries that are co-created with the business so that it it can be a win-win because and and be sustainable so you've got a healthy leader that is is not burning out and is not exhausted and not resentful and not facing a, a backlash from their family because they they're not able to be present or energized with their family so it's so it comes up all the time So my work uh, is uh, positive psychology coaching or coaching leaders helping them to, thrive and be a positive leader in the workplace both to create that sense of healthy workplace for their people but also uh, to lead by example and one of the things i suppose i do the most and i i'm i tend to start most of my coaching programs with now is something called a positive vision day where we take the leader out of the office and we do a deep one-on-one session for uh, an entire day in a beautiful setting and using nature also to energize and resource and help the thinking to, to really get the leader to break away from just those patterns that just absorb us and to take that step back and start to think about how do I want to lead, how do I want to live and what sort of culture do I want to create that offers a more flourishing environment for us all.
0: And needless to say that the challenges leaders are facing and employees as well have changed. Yes, right? The macroeconomic yeah. environment um, is very, very challenging. The level of ambiguity has gone up. And what I keep noticing and talking about with clients, friends, families, how can we approach the topic around ambiguity differently with a more positive mindset and actually see what opportunities lie in those <laughs> challenging times, right? And I yes. um, turned into a little bit of a, a opportunity seeker. I find it quite um, <laughs> uh, engaging at <laughs> the moment.
1: <laughs> However,
0: I also appreciate that that is not the same story for everybody. So the people who come to you and your associate coaches seeking for support what challenges do they usually come with
1: so they are coming with issues of how do i how do i manage everything how do i stay on top of everything how do i deal with difficult stakeholders how do i stop myself going under how do i reconnect <laughs> with my sense of self friends lifestyle things outside of work, um, partners, even kids, uh, friends, giving back community, Uh, you know, when work is becoming so all absorbing, and so many people have that pattern of if I just work harder, and get my head down, it's it's gonna, it's gonna come good. And then it, it, it sort of that doesn't unfortunately uh, work out in this environment because there's so many moving parts and curveballs that are coming at you left, right, and center. So it needs that uh, ability to, you know, it's a bit, it's a bit like, um, martial arts not that I've ever done it but you know what I imagine is lowering that center of gravity so and being ready for whatever's coming that you can you can hold it and be ready to go either to just withhold it or ready to go on the front foot and I think people are getting more and more rigid uh is how we see people and more and more brittle and that's that is what. I suppose we try and work with and get more flexibility and psychological flexibility and agility into their way of being and leading. And that helps support them. Because I really like what you say about thinking about, well, what are the opportunities in these crazy times? But when you're absolutely snowed under and you're done in and you're lacking in in quite a lot of vitality and energy, so it's very hard to be that resourceful and to be thinking creatively about those opportunities. And also the leaders are aware that their mood is contagious and everyone's looking to them. So, they're happy. so we're trying always to get them into a more genuine and authentic presentation of a more positive mood, should we say, or outlook. So it's not a faked sort of Mm -hmm. Pollyanna smile, you know, it's all going to be fine, follow me, um, type approach. It's more really, you know, it is challenging at the moment and it is difficult and we are gonna find ways through this. And, And some people, interestingly, are thriving on the level of change and stress, there are those leaders that that really, you know, are like, bring it on. So yeah. then we are just helping resource them to, you know, be even more resourceful and creative and 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 really think more widely.
0: Yeah. I actually spoke to one of those leaders yesterday who in times of the great resignation in the US decided to leave a hugely safe, as safe as it can be, let's say that, highly paying job, And saying, you know what, I want to do more. I want to contribute to taking this as an opportunity to change the world actually into a more positive setting. And he thought about his values really deeply and said, how can I bring into my next role, whatever it is, those values in a more stronger sense? Yeah, his own business that was highly value based. However, obviously, with financial targets, it's not a charity. However, he communicates the values and the mission so strongly to clients or prospective clients that they literally come like fish and uh, get on the bait (laughs) um, one after the other. Yeah. And and I think this level of humility, a level of reconnecting with our values, this sense of human connection as well as to others, virtual, mm. face-to-face, is something that's, thank God, coming again or, or is, is more important again and yeah. matters. Yes, yes. And uh, adds some meaning, which is, is just beautiful. So, so I'm with you in terms of what you're saying in particular, also what you said about you know, if you are in the midst of it and you don't have energy vitality, it's really hard then to say, Oh, yeah, mm. what's what's the positive here?
1: Mm. And and
0: that's basically the other question I had about the work you're doing. I'm a huge fan, I said that to you, of taking people out into a different space and yes. giving them the space and time to reconnect with themselves. I can imagine now that those leaders you have been describing could give a pushback in terms of I really don't have the time to spend a whole day now in nature (laughs) and have a great chat about my vision or what's going (laughs) on. (laughs) So so what's the situation like for you? What do they say? And then also, what do they realize when they are there with you?
1: Yeah, that is interesting because I first started doing these, Kathleen, when I moved from London to Bath. And I did it very much because, Partly selfishly because I didn't want to be commuting back to London, but partly because it is so beautiful here and and healing and creative, and that was part of my value set. I guess I had this absolute belief people would uh, benefit from it, and I was very nervous about exactly that point that you're raising there, which is that they would put obstacles in the way and say I, it's it's I can't do it, and it's all too indulgent and what i've found over the years is that you explain it up front and you say to people you know it's a six hour session you know part of which is in nature out walking come rain or shine and and i and i say to people and for some people the thought of just talking about themselves for a day is just you know sends them into a complete spin and others think fantastic and when have I ever done that in my entire life so I get you get a bit of separation in in the first instance and I think a bit like your 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 guy that set up the people that it speaks to it really speaks to and they can't wait to get there it's like but you know put me in and the ones that think oh, I'm not sure you know it, it possibly isn't the right intervention the main pushback I've had over, over the, you know, it's over a decade now, 14 years that I've been doing them, is occasionally people have said things like, could we do it in London? Or could we do it as a half day? And, and and we've just learned to be really strong and boundaried about it because we know the benefit that comes with it. So if somebody also does say, I, I think I'm going to be really distracted, this has just happened, or that's happened, we encourage them to wait for that time that they can they feel they can actually really commit to the day because there's pre-work and then that they do so they're ready for the day and then there's the actual day themselves and you really don't want them you know if they're in the middle of a sale of their business or you know a court case or something really massive we would probably encourage you know, not coming at that point and to make sure you can really enjoy that time. But I think what's I'm noticing happening now is people are longing for that time because it's like a a, a mini retreat. It's an ex, you know, we sometimes call it as an an executive day retreat and we run it from 10 in the morning till four, but it's, It's one-on-one. So it's you as the leader with your coach. And it means that you know you're going to have that deep thinking time, which a lot of people just are not having times. A lot of open plan offices now or people working from home having that sort of crazy blurred boundary stuff. So that real supported thinking time, which isn't in a group situation and isn't uh, just going and listening to a lecture or a conference. It is absolutely coaching and it's a hundred percent about you in a retreat like setting. I think people have kind of grasped it. It's it's quite an easy sell these days and very few obstacles are are raised.
0: I was just literally um, going with you onto that day retreat and (laughs) could sense it and feel it. And I noticed in myself. Oh, that's nice and calming here right now. What do you notice in and about those leaders um, when you spend the day together?
1: Well, one of the things that is really interesting is when they arrive, there's often tears, even in the first, um, you know, what, what we do at the at the start of the day is, and this is partly to address that point we said about when people are in a funk, it's hard to vision. I structured the day that there's a, there's an hour of talking at the beginning, uninterrupted download, so they are invited to talk and settle and become present and raise everything. Uh, they need to raise, which is important for this next stage of their life and career and their vision to bring it into the room so it's present. And I think when people look out the window and they see a beautiful, you know, hills as far as they can see, and it's comfortable armchairs and it's somebody just listening with care and attention to you and without judgment. I think that that causes often a a real welling up of emotion. Not gender specific this, by the way, you know, um, and it's a release. I can see that release, which sometimes manifests itself in tears and sometimes just that huge sort of talking and getting everything out. And that seems to clear the decks. Uh, and then I can give them feedback on what I've just heard, and then we go off into the rest of the the day, which is sort of semi-structured exercises. But I, I can really sense and feel that sense of <sighs> you, you know, I'm I'm in a safe place and I, I can I can talk this stuff through now and get to, get in a different place. So they have
0: gone into that different place. Mm. And now you could say, well, let's go back into busy London, for example, into yes. your very high-level role, perhaps, and uh, just get on with it, right? Yeah. I could imagine that's either not your style, yes. <laughs> nor do uh, those leaders probably want that to happen. Um, sustainable change is often, mm. or most of the times, the goal, really. So what's happening after this day yeah. together?
1: So for most people, it's the start of a a six month or an annual coaching program. So you're with that leader for six months or a year uh, with monthly scheduled calls. And then the way we always um, support our clients is we say we're shoulder to shoulder with you for that period of time. So there's ad hoc support in between sessions as well. So if they get bruised in a meeting or they need to prep or they need to celebrate something, we do cause in between but essentially you're working with them to execute the vision that came out of the vision day and obviously what you can imagine Kathleen is the depth of relationship and what you've heard and experienced together during a full day it acts as a, a deep deep catalyst to something far more powerful and impactful and effective I think than just if I've had only an hour with someone previously or two hours there is something that really does happen that we cover and and hear about in that day because we you know the whole vision is in its round so it's about their life their their values their strengths their their home life their their physical health their spiritual health their mental health their emotional health so as well as all of the the leadership issues that we're addressing in that, but they sort of just get knitted together much more in a a much more, much more by osmosis because you've got this lovely uh, deep session with them. Mm -hmm. And then uh, when you're walking in nature with someone as well, as you well know, um, when you're coaching in nature, that also seems to deepen things relationally and also in how the state the person can get to. So you've got that in your collective memory, the two of you to keep referring back to across your years' engagement together.
0: One one aspect on top of what you have just said that I have never considered um, someone else brought to my attention yesterday. And he said to me, also, when you walk next to one another or you're even on a hike, you don't look into one uh, uh, into, <laughs> yes." Each other's it, eyes, eyes. Yes. which I always think is so important why right? we look at each other's <laughs> yes. eyes. But he said immediately there is some sort of a, a of a limitation being taken. There's some sort of an assumption that you will be judged being taken away. Because you don't necessarily see this person. You go together on this walk. You step onto this path together. Mm. And you can let go and simply talk out loud without thinking about, oh, my God, is this person now thinking that about me? Or yes, whatever yes. it is. I have never thought about that. That no. this has a psychological impact, right?
1: Definitely. Uh, I mean, I, I, there's something about it that... I think I've read about it in like relational li- relationship literature, like male, female, males. When you're having a big argument or a big talk, it's quite good to go for a walk with them or to go for a drive. So that you're having the conversations, but they haven't got to experience the intensity. Whether that is true that males experience it more intensely than females, I don't know. But there's a lot of data coming in, isn't there, off the face uh, and facial expression and eye contact. And actually what you're you're getting is you're absolving um, that, that intense focused data that's sort of coming in, and you get a sort of diffused amount of data coming in from just beautiful trees and, and landscape. And there's um, a reference, there's some research being done about this, which is a, the, what that does to us is it helps us feel safe, whether that is from an evolutionary basis, but because we've, we've just sort of diffused our attention out and we're just in this space, it helps us to feel much more calm and creative. So you get really, you get the benefits of the lack of judgments. And then I, on that, on the walk we do on the, on the vision day, we layer in a conversation, which is about values and about the people's biggest troughs in their lives when values have been violated for them and um, biggest uh, peaks in their lives when, you know, values hopefully have been really honored and, um, and so on that walk, you hear, you know, some amazingly gory and glorious stories about their lives. And so I don't think, again, you would get that level of intimacy if you just said to someone in a room, right, tell me, you know, your three highs and three lows. They'd, you know, always say, just share what you feel comfortable sharing with so they can keep themselves safe. But I'm always pleasantly surprised at the depth that people will share at and I think it is to do with the the shoulder to shoulder, the walking in step, um, that synchronous, that sort of, yeah, synchrony that's created. I think it creates something really special.
0: Yeah, that, uh, 100%. And I'm, by the way, with you when it comes to discussions, perhaps not arguments, but deeper discussions, vision planning <laughs> as a couple. Walks are just amazing. Yeah. I are. avoid the car. He drives yeah. then a little bit crazy. But... Um, <laughs> the walks do
1: the job the walks do the job they're 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 great and i think um you know i i always encourage my leaders as well to do a little bit more walking with their colleagues and virtual walks and talks where they just put the earbuds in and get out in nature to do meetings rather than constant back-to-back zooms Mm -hmm. to enhance the quality as well of thinking and energy and what i've found is people just need permission or they just need a little nudge and that's that's all that's needed really to get people outside and into a more uplifting setting
0: yeah now they uh, go back into their day to day reality it sounds so dark I don't know that way Um, (laughs) into the jobs that they love Yes. into the jobs they really love and they want to bring some more passion in again exactly and and now we want to gift them I say we but you definitely want to give them a little bit of nature experience that they can hold and keep Can you share with us perhaps one of the tools that you offer to them, recommend so that they can get back into this safe and reflective space wherever Mm. they are?
1: I've written up the methodology in in my book, which is called A Beautiful Way to Coach, because it is. And I guess what we're encouraging in in that day is helping people tap into a a number of things. But What I always say makes up a beautiful way to coach is four things. It's the spaciousness, so giving them that day. So I encourage them to create mini lots of spaciousness when they go back. So to create some morning rituals around what will set them up for better success in the day. So I'm a huge fan of journaling. I would encourage them to start just looking at their morning routines to try and get some of that nature-based coaching is the second thing. Uh, Positive future focus is the third thing, and beautiful power questions is the fourth thing. And those are all things that are wrapped up in the day, but they're with techniques that I encourage them to think about and take beyond the day. So encouraging them out into nature, as I said, with colleagues or their teams or on their own or with members of their family to try and help resource them. The power questions are really, what you or i might call classic coaching sessions but it's encouraging them to use more positive language and play with the architecture of a question to get it so it's much more powerful and that it is beautiful in terms of the language by which i mean beautiful meaning it makes sense to you it resonates with you it uses maybe your values or your strength in the question so For example, rather than going, oh, how do I get through this week? It's a nightmare. It it, it might become, how can I gracefully find humor in in this week? And starting to get some reframes that start help them think about things differently. So we might just jump on a call and do that, or I might encourage them to do that in their their own reflective practice. And people seem to grasp that very easily and can work with that. And it can immediately shift that, that mood, that down mood of gritted teeth into a lighter space. And that creates that upward spiral of the positive you know, in positive psychology, they call it that thought to action repertoire, I- ideation basically, more ideas, more creative thinking, more fresh ideas, and that's what gets that opportunistic thinking that you you were describing, or opportunity seeking that you were describing earlier. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's that comes and goes in nanoseconds, really, depending on on your mood and how busy you are. Yeah, you know. What, if you go too transactional, too busy, too, your mood is too anxious or too low, it's very hard to get into that space. So a lot of the work can be about techniques that get you back into that space. Does that make and, sense for you?
0: To me, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and I'm a huge fan, I think I mentioned it to you when we spoke first, of more simplistic Day to day tasks. Yes. yes. That can become a new habit, a part of your life, and therefore then second nature. And I think what you've just described is somewhat training a muscle again. Yes. Right? Yes. And if you stick to it and you give it a go for a certain period of time, then you don't think about it anymore. You rewire your brain muscles basically into this more opportunistic way of thinking.
1: Yes. It's true. It's true. And, you know, there's a lot of techniques that we as coaches would be familiar with. And we bandy around like, you know, do your 10 minutes of stretching and your 10 minutes of uh, mindfulness and all of those things. And they are absolutely they work. But a lot of leaders have very busy home lives as well and it's it's very hard for them to find that discipline so i i am a great fan of of trying to explore that whole area of the the micro habits and things they can do to support themselves that actually work for them and their personality so for one person it might be it is the spinning class at lunchtime he ain't ever gonna sit and do his mindfulness app you know but that is what gets him re-energized and into the creative zone so it is trying to to work with with the people and their and their own strengths and their own interests and and hobbies but wherever you can get those sort of four areas into it i find that some habits and rituals around that spaciousness nature-based coaching or 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 leading positive future focus and these creating these beautiful power questions for yourself to to journal around or noodle around or talk about they they're game changers and they can really work very differently for you yeah just one thing as well the positive future focus what we do on the day is a, a visualization where we take people along a timeline to their 80th birthday when they're celebrating it in great health and happiness in a slightly trance-like state. I mean, just like a a mental rehearsal or a visualization that you might do in yoga. And again, for lots of people, they feel they can't, they wouldn't think to access that themselves until they've been prompted. But once you've done it once, you know you can travel up your timeline and visit your future self anytime you like. That is something that is available to each and every one of us.
0: Yeah and um so powerful it's something i do with clients but i do it for myself as well and for my partner yes and it helps you realize what you might be doing or not doing to yourself i give you a very simplistic example and i'm sure you have heard that plenty of times but just for the benefit of the listeners as well i want to be still vital and healthy at the age of 80 i want to see my Children, my grandchildren perhaps um, grow up or experience still joyful traveling, right? Yes. Um, at the age of 80, so much is still possible. To, uh, possible. Times have changed uh, significantly, right? It's not the end of your life. And if I find myself letting go of my ambition to be healthy, i.e. eating crap, not <laughs> working out. Yes. You know, not giving myself space to chill out and do something nice for myself, all of these things. Then I ask myself, how much am I contributing to that vision? Yeah. Right. And I got to a point because I've done it so often now that when I think about it, I'm immediately like, oh my God, no, that's not what I want. (laughs) And, And then you make small changes. Again, it's not about the huge changes where you say, I now have to say no to everything and I have to work out every day and all of this, unless it's your thing, obviously, but it just helps you get back on track and implement those small changes. And it's similar in leadership and as you highlighted, I mean, your personal life has an impact on who you are as a leader as well and vice versa. And um, it, it's about the small steps and finding your individual small steps that work for you.
1: Yes. Sorry, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, th- I think that's so true. And I think if you can get into that discipline of linking your present decisions to your future self which is easier said than done because it takes self-regulation let's face it i think that that is really really strong and really compelling and that's fantastic if you can find that way of of doing it i think there is there's something like that graph someone was describing to me that they'd um You know, it's from all that literature about the micro habits, um, the behavior change from B.J. Fogg and uh, James Clear and so on, which is, you know, in that moment of you decide to have the fish and chips rather than the salad, it's minuscule change. But then if you keep making the fish and chips choice you end up, actually, it's that way, isn't it? You go down, and if you keep making the salad choice, and it it compounds, and the gap just gets bigger and bigger and bigger over the years. So it's always trying to remember that there is that compounding effect, and a a really nice way of doing it is is visualizing a future self. I I think that I don't know anything about AI, so don't get me wrong about this, that it's a big passion area of mine, it's not, but... (laughs) I think soon what will happen is we will be just looking at, right, track me forward, you know, what I'll look like in 40 years if I carry on this path or if I do this. Uh, Because I remember there was a TV show on that. I don't know if you ever saw it. It was in England and it was they had managed, it was a parenting show actually, and they managed to show if they carried on with their kids with the no boundaries and eat, letting them eat crap and not not forcing them into sort of helping with chores that they, what they would end up looking like. And they just literally morphed their, their figures, or their faces and their figures. You know, to what they would look like in their forties. And you would so you'd see this sort of cherubic little six-year-old suddenly looking like this complete, you know, fat thug or something forward. And it was just so shocking. It really helped the parents make the changes because they could see the the impact. And I think there's a TED talk as well on the use of future self-imagery on helping people mm. with their their regu- self-regulating and their decisions. Mm. I'll have to dig it out. Yeah, do, day. please do. Yeah,
0: um, Feel free to share it with me. I'm happy to share it with the listeners. Yeah, yeah. As well. It's so powerful to see or envisage one's vision and to, to think about it and to keep it in mind. And yes. it doesn't mean it can't ever change, right? No. Things do yeah. change. Yeah. However, having something to look forward to I say deliberately that way and to I don't want to say work towards it that already sounds like a bit of a joke. um more <laughs> encourage yourself to to live your best life whatever that is for you hey that's that's pretty awesome
1: it is it is and I think that what we know is that if you have that future vision that is a positive one it's it sort of sets up an internal combustion engine of motivation because you want to move towards it and what that does is it gives you it, it gives you that energy to make positive choices or tough choices to to do things and sow seeds that are going to get you to that vision and so we know that that helps People start to make changes in their life, uh, if they've been sort of immersed in that vision. And um, I like to think of it as sort of, you know, almost soaking somebody in it, you know, with enough time, because a lot of people will think either they won't think about the future at all, or they think three months or six months, or they have a little look at the future and then they get scared. And they think, oh, oh, what, what if I can't get there or what if I fail? Or so they stop thinking about it immediately and they pull it in. So allowing sort of fanning the flames and, and letting someone immerse themselves in their, in their vision for a little while is is very, it's very a good mental health, good positive mental health intervention in of itself, because it gets the juices going and it gets all that motivational energy up and running again.
0: So the question is, how can leaders soak people around them in it as well? Yes. Uh, It's it's a big part of um, some leadership roles, at least, where you have a team, peers, customers around you, you want to take with you towards Mm. that vision, whatever the vision in this case is. So if you are a leader and not necessarily a professional coach in your role, how can you soak others in your vision? I think
1: just taking some time to share it and explore it with other people. Often uh, what happens is that the the leader is at the top and is accessing a lot more data and information from across the organization or across the globe that is helping them see clearly where and how they want the, the business to be. But they don't always remember to share that in any detail or in any sort of interesting way with other people who just by where they're standing, if we think of it as a mountain, you know, where you're standing at the bottom of a mountain, you can't see what at the top, what the views are or you know actually it looks like we're at the top but we're actually heading over there when you're right down at base camp you're just thinking oh it's a long way to go and have we got enough you know water and will somebody please you know give me a safety rope and tell me what to do next and so i think it's 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 a mix of both it's really taking the time to explain where they've got that vision from and how they see it and to light people up, but also to reassure people that they're going to be supported to to get there. Otherwise, it just sounds like empty, empty words or something. But a lot of people are so busy um, being very transactional at the moment, they're forgetting to do that, taking people with them. Peace. Yeah, about a lot. And it's that stuff about the change curve where a leader sits on a change curve versus, you know, the rest of. Um, people, they've done so much processing by the time they're there, they've forgotten they've been through that hellish period of sort of, you know, um, getting getting to that place in the
0: first place. Yeah, what I realize is it's for all sorts of reasons, um, not just necessarily that you don't want to share the information. You might forget because you are so overwhelmed with every transactional yes. piece that needs to be done protecting the team, because they have so much on their list already, you know, I don't want to bombard them with even more. Um, There are so many different reasons that have a very positive background. But if we don't talk about it,
1: Mm. and talk
0: them through on some instances with the team members, how are we going to change it, and perhaps even realize together the opportunities that not all of those transactional tasks are necessarily needed,
1: They don't really add
0: value to achieving the peak of the mountain, right? So the communication and as you said, taking the space and time to chat about it and take people through it is so vital on different levels, I Mm. believe. Mm.
1: Absolutely. And there is a lot of different perspectives being held by people at different levels of companies. And, you know, we're obviously, we're witnessing this in a very extremist circumstances at the moment with all the strikes, mm-hmm. you know, people holding very different perspectives, often at very different levels of, of the organization. So, so then we're back to good old fashioned, you know, communication and negotiation and empathy and understanding.
0: The good old fashioned empathy. and understanding It's going to be a topic, hopefully for a very, very long time that is being refreshed <laughs> yeah. and brought Wars. into people's lives. <laughs> <laughs> um, in your work, you uh, practice positive psychology, um, as mm. you mentioned before, and on your website, I saw that you refer to positive leadership. Yes. Now when I read it, I thought, well, positive leadership can mean so many different things to different people. So here's the question for you: what is positive <laughs> leadership yes. for you personally? Yes.
1: Well, um it it's looking at playing an organization and a team and and your own personal self to your strengths, making sure that weaknesses are well supported and understood. And that you can operate towards that end of the spectrum, which is towards what we we call the flourishing end of the spectrum, which essentially is uh, when people are, you know, working at their best, they've got the right levels of support. People are being, you know, looked after and communicated in the right way. And it is all done in a way that is sustainable with... The, the, you know, the triple bottom line concept of people, profit and planet and that it isn't done at a, a, a huge cost to any, any of the stakeholders. And I mean, we're, we're a B Corps now, we've been certified as a B Corps and more and more, obviously, there is a lot of emphasis being put on how to lead in a way that you're using business to be a force for good in in the world um for the the stakeholders that you're representing and i think that's you know that is when when you can lead an organization like that and people are working towards that that to me is positive leadership
0: And from my perspective, you are a positive leader and indeed you, your organization is a force for good. So I really want to want you to share with the listeners, how are you being a force for good outside of the day-to-day coaching work that is tremendous and that you are doing, but there's quite a bit more that you are doing as well.
1: Yes. Thank you. Well, very kind words. I mean, we're, we're, we're trying to be a force for good. The, the big uh, area that we uh, are feel very passionately about is the gender equality issue. And that is essentially what we are trying to support. So the outsider coaching, we, we, we coach male and female leaders. So it's not that we only coach female leaders, but we do a lot to really support that gender inequity that we see in the workplace. So uh, that's with pro bono work, um, supporting charities that are led by females or charities that are supporting women's safety, women's health, women's education. And we are um, mentoring women as well who need that support to find their voice in the workplace. There's so many studies about the fact that women have to be invited to to speak and to go for things they, they don't naturally speak up or find their their ambition without some kind of sponsorship or support or mentorship and so trying to wrap all of those things around people so we're doing a lot of that and peer mentoring as well and then also we're a member of a giving circle a women's giving circle which is by women for women so again supporting women's charities where they are supporting women in the community who are suffering from, we give out grants to different um, women's charities that, you know, sometimes it will be issues that are dealing with domestic violence or abuse or any of these awful things around sexual violence. And other times it might be sort of, you know, supporting women getting back to to business after they've had difficulties with um, special needs children or aging parents or things like that. So, there's lots of different ways we're we're always looking to support women and and help do our bit to to sort of accelerate the the gender pay gap and the gender the gender gap totally in 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 the workplace in the world but specifically in the world workplace is where most of our efforts lie.
0: So I, I think I shared with you I'm. Um very supportive, to say the least, of um, the topic and of really battling uh, gender equality and making sure that women find their voices more frequently. And, And I'm focusing particularly on the leadership space here, hence why I've spoken to quite a few women here on the show as well about this topic. And I think there are so many different angles, expertises that come together and really build some stronger perspective and help the listeners as well to... A, feel encouraged to speak up more, uh, to support others and to really help out in in the world and to raise more awareness around those challenges that we are clearly still facing, but also supporting the men in their understanding. I spoke to a wonderful lady the other day on the podcast as well. And she uh, said to me uh, very clearly, we need the guys Right. And I explained to her an example where I chatted uh, to my husband about women really feeling challenged to speak up in meetings, being often interrupted. And she had some great stats around that this is the case and why it is the case. And he said, oh, my God, I do that. And I don't even realize how often I do it. But it's how we are being raised. It comes from evolution. Right. We are the strong male guys. We just talk and women keep safe when they are quiet. It's very black and white but it's something we've got to overcome. So this is a very long intro into what I'm trying to say here. Um, <laughs> it's one question and it's one piece of advice, really. So if there were any women out there, all men, um, for the sake of it, listening to the show who say, I want to engage more in helping the cause. I want to support women who suffer from domestic violence and, and coach them through it, or I'm a therapist in that space, whatever it is, really what location, what place, what page, organization, whatever it is, would you recommend where people can start and get some information and see as to whether that could be a charitable course they would support?
1: Yeah. Oh, great question. I'm not sure there is one place I think that in organizations, I think it'd be great to go and talk with HR if you've got an HR department and see what initiatives are going on around the gender diversity. And, you know, especially there is a lot of emphasis on trying to make sure that the men are involved in those initiatives. But just to sort of understand what's going on in your business or in your organization if you're in a big organization globally, because I think there's often so many things under the radar that you you don't know about. The other thing that most companies, even if they're only small, have, are when you can initiate it if it doesn't have, are little women's networks. I'm saying little women's networks. If it's a small company, a little woman's network. If it's a big company, they'll probably already be a women's network. So yeah. definitely getting on board with those and going to the events and supporting them, I think is is really good. And then I think just starting to, I think it's quite helpful just setting the alerts on going onto um, charity sites and looking at women's charities because there's a lot around, you know, women's safety obviously at, at the moment, and really supporting a lot of you know those charities because it isn't always you can either donate or you can give of your time or you can go to events, you can do sponsored events or you can become a trustee. There's so many different ways. And then I think these women's giving circles are also a growing a growing area, which are great because they're helping women be more empowered to make changes in the world, but it's always supporting women charities that need support. So it's... it's It's a very nice circle that goes on there. I know I'll come off here and immediately think of um, some brilliant uh, Mm -hmm. websites or places you can go, but I can't think of one. I think it it would be a multi-directional approach. And again, I'm a big fan of working out what works for you because there's nothing more more, it's not sustainable and it doesn't really work if you give resentfully. I, I say, be, you know, be a generous giver, and that means it's got to be. If you haven't got time, but you've got a lot of cash, give cash. But if you've got no cash, but you actually could invest a little bit of time supporting with an event or on a on a on a trustee board, I think that makes a huge difference. So I, I think think what works for you in your life, but just do some start with some desk research and move forward.
0: Yeah. Couldn't agree more in particular with, it has to work for you. So thank you for generously uh, offering a few options here. And if there's anything you want us to publish, please, by all means, let us know. More than happy to do that. Oh, thank you. Will do. I said, there's also a question to it, right? And that question refers to women finding their voices. If we move back into the leadership space Mm. and it's not enough yet, but we have more and more women in senior executive leadership roles that may have found their voices. But if they haven't, what do we need to do in order to express our voices really and that confidently and authentically at the same time? Yeah,
1: I'm a, I'm really passionate about educating oneself and getting training. And I think that asking for as much training and support as you can get. So it helps you with things like, can I have a mentor, please? Can I get presentation skills, please? Can I have personal impact training, please? And if your organisation doesn't do those, it's just seeking out some of those things. There's a lot of resources that is uh, that are free now that can help people learn how to present better or speak up. Um, And so I think getting yourself a little more educated around and trained up around some of the skills that are involved, I think really helps with the, there's two things, isn't there? There's competence and there's confidence. And I think that when we build our competence, that automatically helps our confidence. And that's the more, you know, this bit, the confidence is often the bit that might need some extra support, whether it's therapy, a coach, a mentor, a sponsor, you know, a a massage therapist, a a stylist, whatever it takes, I'd say, build your support team of that. Some of it you might have to pay for some of it, the company will su- supply, some of it can be free. Some of it can be friends, some of it can be contra, but I would always say, you know, build your support team to keep your confidence built and then get your competence built, um, as best as you can. Don't just think, you, you know, I'll be all right, Jack. I think there's loads of tips and techniques, even when you go on a course and you only take away one tip, you know, yeah. that's one tip. You know i remember one of my very first courses i went on about learning to as a female and it was like get your voice into the room early is a great tip you know even if it's just to say i really like that point or has everybody you know has everybody got the minutes or it was a great meeting last time or just something you know just to get your voice into the meeting early uh, so you get away from that <laughs> 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 that can happen, <laughs> and I, I think that's I think that's really good. So I I I would say drive the competence and comp- confidence uh, at the same time.
0: Yes, and uh, so many different training options that are being offered, perhaps in organisations outside of organisations. Again, seek out what works for you. And as yeah. so nicely said, also talk to the people who know what's being offered in your organizations and figure it out together. Yeah. Um, you're right. You don't and, have and to. And books,
1: you know, yeah. just but books. I mean, I think a great book in this area is um, I'm sure you're familiar with it is the Tara Moore playing big Big, yeah yeah and that is a great place to start you know uh, it's it's a really good book there's lots of practical suggestions in there and she runs courses on it as well but invariably now again probably possibly just I'm talking more middle to bigger companies but most companies are addressing these areas with with support and training and women's networks.
0: By mentioning Tara Moore's book, you led me so nicely to another book, A Beautiful Way to Coach, is the name of it. You mentioned it yourself. <laughs> so, so, what motivated yes. you to write it?
1: Well, I think that there's a sort of short answer, which is lockdown number three. (laughs) Um, And I was so determined in lockdown number three that I was going to kind of make it count for something. And I've been thinking about writing uh, this book for, you know, uh, on and off for years, really, because I developed this methodology, as I say, when I moved to Bath, and then it's been refined and refined and refined and now we it's won awards and we train other coaches in it and it's and it's really it's it's strong and it's tried and tested and it's like well where is it (laughs) you know let's get it in a bottle type thing so you know that it that it's it's really that that's it it's not a big book it's it's a lovely resource of the methodology meant for coaches or leaders who want to just learn about that way of coaching and the, mo- the motivation was was just to kind of get it out of me and onto onto paper <laughs> and also that does you know i mentioned earlier i'm a journalist i'm a writer i i i i love to write it really structures my helps my thinking and I think it just it just deepens your understanding of of the work as well. So it's it's a helpful process.
0: It's lovely to also hear that you practice what you preach, right? You were talking about journaling before, mm. taking space and time to jot your thoughts down. Now, not every leader has to write a book. That's not what it is about. But <laughs> um, you've mentioned all the benefits of doing that, of capturing it, of forming a micro habit here to yeah give oneself to space and those reflections as well
1: yes yeah i personally find it a very easy micro habit i know not everybody does um, one of the other initiatives we do actually for for women on a pro bono basis is we hold a code journaling uh space um over zoom for an hour and a half every tuesday morning early in the morning at 7 a.m. and and that is to help people use that space to connect in with their writing and that is to visit their inner self and check in with how they feel and and do those reflections. Some people use it to write their newsletter or to you know finish off a piece a document or a thesis that they're doing and some people just use it to to or, or or if they're writing a book but some people just do it to just spend an hour and a half or so journaling you know we do some prompts and we do some um, centering exercises and just that it's the going inwards before we go outwards that I think creates a lot of Uh, a power and compassion for our our own thoughts and and the ways we show up in the world.
0: What beautiful final words about positive leadership and the work you are doing. Thank you so much, Fiona. Before we let you go, however, (laughs) please do share with us where can people find uh, out more about you, the work you're doing and the book as well. Well, thank you so
1: much, Kathleen. It's been such a pleasure meeting with you and speaking with you. The company is uh, Leadership Coaching Limited, and the website is very simply www.leadershipcoaching.co.uk. And the book is uh, available on Amazon or it's published by Routledge. So it's also on the Routledge uh, site and in libraries as,
0: as well. Thank you so, so much, Fiona. It has been a pleasure, a real joy to be talking to you. Uplifting, may I say, as well. I um, Always love to have so, such great, insightful conversations. Thank you is all I can say. Have a wonderful remaining day, obviously, to all of you out there. Have a fabulous day and do leave your feedback with us as well and get in touch. Bye bye, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Legendary Leaders Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then remember to subscribe to the show either on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or on my website www.kathleenmerkel.com. I would also love to hear from you to discover what topics you'd like to hear more about, what topics really resonated with you, and how you're enjoying the show in general. Please do leave your review on iTunes as well. It would mean the world to me. Thank you so much and speak to you again next time. Bye.